Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Now, as the COVID-19 situation is a threat, a challenge to our physical health, it also can present a challenge to our mental health. When we live in a, a chronic state of disruption, and that's what this can feel like, that can create traumatic damage, uh, imbalance that impacts all aspects of our lives. Eileen Smith is here today, and we'll be talking about how to heal this damage and how to, as she says, move beyond trauma. Are you ready to meet her? Eileen Smith is the author of Moving Beyond Trauma, the roadmap to healing from your past and living with ease and vitality. Eileen's a certified professional coach and somatic experience exposed, oh dear, Eileen is a certified professional coach and somatic experiencing practitioner, and her research into somatic experiencing and eating disorders has contributed to the importance of somatic experiencing and body-based therapies in recovery. She blends talking, touch work, and movement to create synergy between a client's body and mind. In addition to her private practice, Eileen's developed a series of trauma healing workshops and lectures, which she hosts worldwide. You can find out more about Eileen and her work at EileenSmith.com, and that's I-L-E-N-E Smith.com. Eileen, welcome to Out of the Fog. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for that introduction. It's always interesting to hear um, yourself being introduced. You're like, who is that person? <laughs> well, she's great. I want to interview her. I'm, I'm inviting her on the show. <laughs> so this is, trauma is always a relevant topic, I think, but especially now. And I'm wondering from your perspective, how do you define trauma? What is it? Oh, and it's that's such a good question. And it's such a great place to start. Because, you know, we often think of trauma as an event. But it's really the energy that gets locked in our body around real or perceived threat. So in a sense, anything that happens too much too soon, too fast, without any ability to defend yourself. Hence the COVID-19 virus, right? We're living in this collective trauma vortex right now. It's, and it's, it's just, you know, I'm just watching, um, well, personally myself a little bit, but also like everything that's going on around me. And I'm sure we're all feeling in a sense disoriented. Mm -hmm. I was, we were talking a little bit before we, got on the air and I was just sharing with you that just from what I see in the people who I connect with is that this is a, it's a time that can feel traumatic uh, in itself because we feel stuck. It is too much, too fast, too loud, too many unknowns. And it also feels to me like a time that is bringing past pain up to the surface. And so as we move through these times, there are a lot of people who are dealing with the, the, unmet needs of the past, the things we didn't work through, and now this uncertainty about the future. 
Yeah. And I think you make such a good point about the old stuff that hasn't been worked through starting to come up, but doesn't it make sense? Because all of a sudden, all of the things that we've had in our lives to distract us are not so available to us. Plus, you know, add on top of that, we can't have as much face-to-face connection like we used to. And that we, that we know is a place where people feel safe is when we have face-to-face connection. Um, and so all of that, like piling on top of, you know, one another is definitely um, creating a lot of dysregulation in the nervous system. And people are uncomfortable with having to sit with their experiences because what do all the distractions do? They take us away from our own emotional experiences and our own sensory experiences where the trauma gets stored, which is, you know, in our body. Now you talk in the book about the importance of allowing and sitting with and observing discomfort. And it, at any time that, that can be difficult. Cause I think our, our kind of our instinct is to, is to run away for it, from it or use some other coping mechanism or behavior. I'll watch a hundred hours of Netflix or whatever that's going to be. Um, why is it so important to stay in and be aware of the discomfort and how can we do that without getting swallowed up by it? Wow. What a, what a, what a great question. Um, I, I know I always, I say this to my clients, it's, it's two things. It's in order to move past things, we have to move through them, right? We spend, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of conditioned in Western culture to continually try to circumnavigate around what we're experiencing, right? We try to distract ourselves with trying to understand why things are happening and rather than trying to be with what is happening, so the big, the big piece is if we can move through them, we can move past them. But we have to, we have to do that to the second part of your, your question is we have to do it slowly. And the slower we go, the faster we're going to get there. And so, you know, we talk about body-based therapies and somatic experiencing. The whole, the whole idea is really to build the body as a safe container so that we can actually move through these experiences out with a sense of mastery and without feeling like we're going to die. Because why do we try to circumnavigate things around things? It's, we're always, we're, we're, we're so fearful in our bodies of, of having to feel something. And, and so I think, I think the, big, the big thing is, is how do we get safe enough in there to allow for us to move through these experiences? I'm just thinking as you said that, that I was talking to somebody the other day and he was saying that it was very hard for him to talk about and tell his story because when he started to open up, even about how he was feeling, not we're not talking about drama, we're just talking about the things around it. How has this affected you? That it was hard for him to talk about it because when he started to talk about it, he started to feel very strong emotions. And when he started to feel very strong emotions, he didn't feel safe. And it, what you're saying makes me think, Eileen, about how you talk about the body as a safe container. Sometimes that the way we hold the trauma is something we've done to try to keep our body safe. And it ends up, do you know what I mean? And it ends up kind of putting everything at risk. Well, are you meaning, you're meaning like the way we're trying to hold it, like using maladaptive behaviors to try to hold it, or you're talking about the physicalness of holding it? I'm talking about through maladaptive behaviors, through patterns and habits, through ways that we start to think about ourselves and treat ourselves, the stories we tell us, tell ourselves about why 
we hold yeah. it the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, we can unpack that one. Like there's, let's start with the idea of what the shame of the story does to us. Like you're talking about this guy that was highly emotional when he started telling a story. Think about like that piece alone, right? What the shame, the shame does and where, and, and how it, how it dysregulates our nervous systems to the point where we're going to try to find any way to relieve ourselves of the pain. And right, isn't that really what maladaptive behaviors are? They're just, they're coping mechanisms to get relief. And, you know, we know in the long run, what do they do? They just make us feel worse. And it, and, and instead of running away from, we're, mm, it's like grinding a stain into the carpet, the, right? Those maladaptive <laughs> behaviors don't, yeah. don't set you free. Not really. No, they, they, they just they further trap you for sure. So for listeners who are having maybe increased anxiety or uncertainty or are, are dealing with difficult stuff coming up during this pandemic, during this time, what can you offer as ways they might be able to sit with their discomfort, get a little calmer, clearer? Yeah, well, I think the important thing is that, like, and I know this personally, and I've seen this with clients over and over and over, if we can find some way to create some sort of connection to our bodies rather than dissociating, because that's our tendency is we're going to go into, when we feel uncomfortable, we're going to go into our fight, fight or fleet or freeze mechanisms, which are, these are our survival states. And so if we can stay connected to our bodies in some way, whether it's through breath work, whether it's sitting in a chair and just feeling your feet on the ground, whether it's making, we do this exercise in somatic experience called the voo exercise, where you're, where you're vooing, where you're using, using, using your voice to cry, to um, regulate the vagus nerve, which is, um, which impacts our autonomic nervous system. But some way, even if it's for five minutes, maybe it's some movement, maybe it's getting out and walking, maybe it's rolling out the yoga mat, maybe it's using a foam roller. Everybody's going to have a different something that's going to help them stay a little bit more connected to their bodies. And I think that's a really valuable um, piece that, you know, we're so, we're so easily um, conditioned not to do, especially when we feel stressed. Because it's really hard to stay connected when you feel stressed. So you're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Eileen Smith. Her new book is Moving Beyond Trauma, The Roadmap to Healing from Your Past and Living with Ease and Vitality. You can find out more about Eileen and her work at EileenSmith.com. That's I-L-E-N-E-S-M-I-T-H.com, EileenSmith.com. So your professional background, your work is as a somatic experiencing practitioner. What does that mean? What is that? So um, I went through a, I have a master's in mental health counseling. And then I, in addition to that, I did a three-year training with the Trauma Healing Institute, which was um, founded by Peter Levine, who's the founder of Somatic Experiencing. So um, it's three years of intense training. As a student, you also become a patient of the work. Um, and you know, you work with other clinicians to do case consults. Um, so it's a, it's a rigorous training. And, you know, for myself, it was really pretty fascinating the whole process because I myself had been in talk therapy since I'd been in my twenties 
And um, here I was, I went back to school in my early 40s. And then I, you know, went through this training. And I, um, when I got to the somatic experiencing work, it was a game changer for me. Like I had, um, you know, I had, I had, I have a history of eating disorders and um, a lot of anxiety and talk therapy, while it gave me great insight and understanding into my issues, my nervous system still felt totally dysregulated. Mm. And um, when I became a patient of this work, I just could not believe how different um, things started feeling for me. And, you know, I, and I've seen it with my clients. I've had clients that have been in and out of, you know, eating disorder treatment and addiction treatment. And we get to this work and things start shifting pretty quickly. So what is somatic experiencing? Like if I come to you, what happens? So it's so it's such funny. It's hard. It's one of those things. It's really hard to explain, but I, I do my best. Um, so somatic experiencing is a body-based therapy. So the talk in the therapy is not so much, it's not about reliving the past, right? Where we go into talk therapy and tell me about what happened when you were eight, nine, 10. It's nothing like that. It's, it, it, the process is so much more organically. So the talk that happens in there is really about getting to the real story, which is the story that's in the body. So we're working with things like sensation and imagery and behavior, affect, and meaning. And generally what happens in the process, we're starting to bring attention and awareness to sensations and um, what the body is experiencing. And so the work is really in a session, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, is to have what we call biological completion. So what is biological completion? If you think about animals in the wild, they shake off their trauma. And we as human beings need the same biological completion and integration in order to, to renegotiate and move on from the trauma. So um, a lot of times in a session, some, there'll be a lot of spontaneous movement. Um, but you know, how do we release trauma from the body? It's through heat, shaking, and tears. So mm-hmm. any of those pieces, any of those things that happen in a session, I would say is, um, you know, is a release and, and often an integration. You said that trauma is released from the body through heat, shaking, and tears. What do you mean by heat? Um, our bodies, our body temperature changes. Like, and I, and so I do a lot of times. People will start feeling, you know, different parts of their body getting warm, and they'll start sweating. Um, a lot. I do a lot of touch work with clients, and I can get someone on my touch table. And very quickly, I can start feeling heat releases in their body. Wow. Why is touch so Im- important in this? It's, it feels to me, and I know just from reading the book, that sometimes it's difficult if you're carrying trauma, which most of us are, to allow touch. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's not like I just throw someone on the table when I get them into a session. It's, you know, touch is not generally the first thing that I do with the client. It's something we work towards to make sure there needs to be enough trust between us. But if you think about um, the early part of our lives, right? As babies, how do we regulate? How do we co-regulate? You know, our, our moms and that touch is how our bodies get regulated. And so we still need as adults, there's all that there's, there's what gets locked in our bodies 
is in tissue memory. Our, our body's tissue holds all that. And you think about um, modalities like rolfing. What's the foundation of that? It's all about working with the fascia and what's, what's stored in the body. And so when I, when I touch into someone's body, um, it's like my tissue is talking to their tissue. And I've seen amazing things happen on, the, on a touch table. You know, I've, I've seen people, I actually have had a client, it's fascinating. Um, one time we had actually gotten to her own birth. She had a very strained relationship with her mom. And somehow or other in the session, she, she wound up moving through her own, phys, the physicality of her own birth. And the tears just poured out of her eyes and the heat started coming out of her body. Mm. And it, it fascinating after that, a whole bunch of, um, of things around her mom started getting resolved for her. So it wasn't necessarily through all the talk, right? She had spent years in talk therapy. It got resolved through, through the birth. Mm. And the book you call traditional talk therapy, top down therapy, is it, do you believe that talk therapy, like for example, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is popularly kind of put forward as a, as a way through, could that be hurting people instead of helping them? You know, I'm really careful to say that um, it would be hurtful. I think cognitive behavior therapy is wonderful and effective in certain ways. But what it's not going to do is it's not going to integrate the trauma memories back into the body. It's going to try to use the brain to override what's locked in the body. And we know the body is definitely smarter than the brain. <laughs> <laughs> right? Our bodies don't lie. They, if, we, if, we're, if we can trust them and listen to them, they tell us exactly what they need. I wonder if you can share a little bit about why you wrote the book. We can't all be in your office, I guess, or be on the touch <laughs> table at the appropriate time in the appropriate way. What in, in writing the book, what are what do you want readers to learn? Well, I, you know, my intent for writing the book was really to get to a larger audience and have a, and help people really understand that they have the same brain and body that allowed them to survive is the same brain and body that's going to allow them to thrive in their life. And that we all have, we all, you know, as human beings, we're resilient. Okay. We just have to find and access ways to resolve that trauma. Um, and then that was really the impetus for the book is, is to get to a larger audience. I mean, you know, personally, I had said I'd been in talk therapy for years. I had no idea that this, you know, I, that this was a big part of what needed to happen in my own healing. Like I knew, I knew that I always felt better when I went to yoga and I moved my body, but I didn't really quite understand that that trauma piece was, was locked in my body. And, you know, and I see this in my own clients when I start to educate them a little bit about trauma and healing it's, you know, like I've had clients say to me, many clients, like, why has it taken someone so long to tell me this? Do you, I'm curious if, do you feel that each of us heals in our own way? It sounds to me like what you might be doing is kind of um, clearing pathways, opening doors for that healing to kind of take place, like clearing out the gutters so that the water flows through in a clear, in a, in a, in a clear way. Do you believe what I, I heard you say that people say, why didn't anybody tell me this before? Is it more about shifting people's perspective to see, or is it something else? 
Well, I think that a big part of what we need to do as clinicians is we need to educate and help our clients understand that where they got where they are today is not their fault. And so um, it's more than education, but I think part of what we, you know, building that safe container is educating the client and helping them see that there is a pathway to creating what I call a healing lifestyle and to resolve what feels so unresolved in your, in your system. I think it, it helps take away so much of that shame and, and guilt that people feel and, and about their, their, let's just say imperfections. And that, that's just part of, it's what, it's really what happens as a result of, of unresolved trauma that gets left, left locked in your body. And so, um, you know, I think education is important and I think empowering clients and creating, helping them create curiosity, um, which is why, um, and, you know, part of the book, I, I developed a series of assessments with a researcher and the assessments are to help the reader piece together how their nervous system is functioning. And so what it, what the reason why I developed them is, is to help someone begin to create a narrative and an understanding of how they're functioning and how they're behaving. And I think it, it, you know, helping them map that out and seeing the big picture is what helps them guide, what guides them to creating the healing that is possible for them. And, you know, I call it in the book, a healing lifestyle. And it's different for everyone. You know, how, what, what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for the other person, but can we um, evoke enough curiosity to be able to help that person mobilize to do the things that are going to be um, beneficial for their self-care. I love it. I personally believe that curiosity is one of the best possible things you can apply to any situation. It's where healing starts, intuition starts, right? Curiosity in the present moment is a powerful blend of tools that can help you kind of see more and, and move forward. I think it's, I think it's everything. And I think it's, it's like, it's the piece of what leads us to our healing. And, and I always think curiosity is what allows us to find our passion. Mm-hmm. And there's power in it too, because if I can ask questions, if I can dare to look behind that curtain or open up that trunk or think in a different way, that empowers me to move forward. And it might take me a step or two away from the old way I used to think about myself or the old way I used to hold my energy or what I thought was possible for me. Oh my God, absolutely. It's curiosity is, is really a gateway. And it also allows when people get curious, like to me, it's a sign that you're being able to find some way of articulation mm-hmm. in your own experiences. And we know that, that being able to articulate your own experiences is one of the ways, you know, one of the doorways out of the trauma vortex. Yeah. Yes. Oh, this this is good stuff. And I see that we've only got a couple minutes left. For listeners who want to find out more about the book, about Moving Beyond Trauma, and find more about your work, where should they go? What should they do next? Um, well, certainly my website, EileenSmith.com, is, which is I-L-E-N-E Smith. Um, I'm on Instagram, Eileen Smith Healing. Um, I'm also on Facebook. And um, my book is available on Amazon. And those free assessment tools that you were talking about are available at movingbeyondtrauma.co. And there are, I think, aren't there five? There's a bunch of great stuff there. 
there's six assessments and six. you can access them through movingbeyondtrauma.co or through my website. I actually linked it so it, it can go, it's going back and forth. And yeah, the assessments, if anyone wants to take them, they're in the book um, and they're also available on the website. Wonderful. Eileen, thank you very much for being on the show. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. This was really wonderful. And I really appreciate um, being a guest. It's, it's really an honor. Thank you. That is Eileen Smith. Her new book is Moving Beyond Trauma, The Roadmap to Healing from Your Past and Living with Ease and Vitality. And you can find out more. You can get a link to those free assessments. There's all kinds of good stuff for you at EileenSmith.com. That's I-L-E-N-E-S-M-I-T-H, EileenSmith.com. You can also check out movingbeyondtrauma.com for more information. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. That's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me there if you are so inclined. And if you believe, as I do, that the power of our collective intention can really make change, that when we focus on peace in our hearts and peace in the world, that we can come together and help create that peace, move ourselves to a more peaceful place. If you're in alignment with that, you might want to check out openpeacefulheart.com. That's where you'll get information about the monthly free uh, 15-minute guided meditation call that my wife and I have put together. That's available for free. There's no selling, no yelling. There's no agenda with that. That's available to everyone who wants to join us to sit in a circle for 15 minutes and focus on that idea of peace in our hearts and peace in the world. That's at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.